Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Mark. If you want to turn to chapter 1, we're going to be reading verse 40 through 45. Jesus cleanses a leper, starting with verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus strictly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to, and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This ends the reading of God's word, and at this time, children ages three to kindergarten can be dismissed to the little landing. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to worship our God together this morning. My name is Andrew Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at The Landing. Pastor Brent, Kathy, and Ruth are down in Michigan this week visiting their son and daughter-in-law, so I encourage you to keep them in your prayers. We are so thankful for them and also thankful for these times when they can get away to rest and be refreshed. So please pray that this time away would be a great blessing to their family. I'm excited to look at the end of Mark chapter 1 with you this morning. Our youth are currently going through the Gospel of Mark on Wednesday nights, and it has been a joy for me to go through this Gospel with them. Pray it's been a joy for them as well. If you see one of the youth, ask them, what is Mark's favorite word in the Gospel of Mark? And they will, they will know the answer. Right. <laughs> right. There we go. So, before we dive in, let's pray one more time and ask for God's help. God, we do thank you for your word. Your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. God, nobody here needs to hear what's in my head. We need to hear from you. So would you speak through your word? Thank you that you take spiritual lepers and give us new life in Christ. If there are any here who don't know you, would they leave here today being born again, trusting in you for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're looking at the end of Mark chapter 1, and just to give you a little background, at this point, Jesus' fame was spreading. We read in Mark 1.28, and at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So Jesus is the talk of the town. Everybody is talking about how he was preaching with authority in the synagogue, and he cast out a demon out of a guy, and he healed someone, and then lots of people came to Jesus, and he was healing them and casting out demons. And Jesus was preaching what Mark calls the gospel of God. We read in Mark 1, 14 and 15, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So Jesus is calling people to repent of their sin and believe in the good news of salvation that had been promised throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And Jesus said that now the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
And here in verses 40 through 45, Mark gives us this amazing account of Jesus healing a man with leprosy. And I believe that this healing is meant to be seen as a picture of the gospel. And hopefully we'll see the gospel displayed here as we walk through this story. So look again with me at verse 40. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. So first thing to notice is that this man was a leper. This man had leprosy, which was a horrible disease. The word leprosy in the Bible includes several different kinds of skin diseases that were terrible. But to call leprosy just a skin disease is an understatement. A doctor named Paul Brand was a medical missionary to India. And he cared for many people who had leprosy. What we call today Hansen's disease. And he found and wrote that leprosy doesn't actually cause skin to rot away. And it doesn't directly cause much deformity. Leprosy acts as an anesthetic. It begins by numbing your extremities. And slowly that numbness spreads to the rest of your body. And the deformity so often associated with leprosy, often deformity is associated with it. If you... If you have a weak stomach, I wouldn't advise this. But if you go on Google and image leprosy, you'll see lots of pictures of people with fingers missing or their ears are half gone. There's lots of deformity with leprosy. And it's almost always self-inflicted. You see, when the numbness gets bad, you, a person could cut off their finger or burn themselves terribly without really realizing it. You can't feel pain. So back then, somebody would be cooking something in the fire, and they wouldn't be able to feel, so they'd just grab it and horribly burn themselves or cut themselves without knowing it until you looked. Dr. Brand called leprosy a painless hell. And not only was the disease physically horrible, it also made a person ceremonially unclean. There were lots of ways to become ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, but most of the time being unclean could be easily solved. You would have to bathe or bring an offering or wait for a short amount of time to be clean again. You can read in Leviticus several examples of how someone would become unclean and then usually followed by what they could do to become clean again. But when it came to leprosy, it was a little different Here's what God said in Leviticus 13, 45 and 46. He said, The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So if you had leprosy, you had to live away from everyone. You had to cry out, unclean, unclean, whenever someone came close to you. And there was nothing you could do. There was no medicine. There was no sacrifice you could make. There was no amount of bathing that would help. The only cure for leprosy, the only way to be clean again, was if God healed you. And of course, we know that anyone who is healed from a disease or anything, even with the use of medicine, God is ultimately the one who heals them. But with this, God had not given any means of medicine or bathing for them to be clean. They just had to wait and say, God, would you heal me? Would you heal me of this? Josephus, a famous Jewish historian, said that lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. And you can see this in the Old Testament. For example, when Aaron's sister got leprosy in Numbers 12, Aaron says this to Moses in Numbers 12.12. 
said, Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. When she got leprosy, Aaron says, Don't let her be as one dead. Because right now she is, if, she is one who is dead. Or in 2 Kings, Naaman, who was the commander of the Assyrian army, had leprosy. And he hears that there's someone in Israel who can heal him. So he sends a letter to the king of Israel asking the king to heal him. And it says this in 2 Kings 5.7. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? The king knows that the only one who can heal Naaman is God. He can't do anything to help him. If someone is going to be healed of leprosy, there needs to be a miraculous healing from God. One commentator, R.T. France, says, Leprosy was one of the most dreaded diseases and regarded as practically incurable. To cure it was seen as on par with rising the dead. So that's the situation this leper is in. That's his situation. He knows the depth of his need, his utter hopelessness of his condition apart from an act of God. And brothers and sisters, this is a glimpse of what our spiritual condition is apart from Christ. This is a glimpse of what our spiritual condition is apart from Christ. I believe that leprosy throughout the Bible is meant to be seen as a picture of what it is like to be dead in sin. Not that people who had leprosy were worse sinners. We don't look at, in the Bible and say, wow, they must have really been horrible sinners because they have leprosy. No, but the disease itself points to a bigger and worse reality of sin. Like leprosy, there is no human remedy for sin. Nothing we can do can remove our sin. Only a work of God can do that. Sin is like a slow-spreading disease that numbs us. The more someone lives in sin, the more numb they become to sin. And like leprosy, sin left unchecked ultimately leads us to destroy ourselves and one another. Just like leprosy required isolation and separation, so also our sin separates us from our holy God. And it ends Not in a painless hell, but in a painful hell where the wrath of God is poured out for eternity. So let me ask you, do you see yourself that way apart from Christ? Do you see yourself as a spiritual leper with no hope apart from the saving work of God? One of the things that makes sin so much worse than leprosy is that we can pretend that sin isn't much of a problem. I'm not a sinner. I'm a good person I don't have a problem. I'm not like that. But you couldn't do that with leprosy. If you had leprosy, you knew it and everyone else knew it too. Unclean, unclean. But God's word says in Ephesians 2 that we are all dead in our sin. We were all dead in our sin and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We must see our need for salvation the way this leper saw his need. If you're trusting in Christ, this is your if you are not trusting in Christ, this is your situation before a holy God. And that is offensive to the world. That message is very offensive to the world, but it is a gracious gift of God if we begin to see the depth of our sin. If you are not trusting in Christ, I plead with you, do not be offended by this, but see this as a gracious gift of God. He is showing you the depth of your need. I am sure many of us are frequently praying for people we love who don't see that they're lost. 
They don't see that they are spiritual lepers running headlong into destruction. And we are praying that God would open their eyes and cause them to see the depth of their need. It's a gracious gift of God for him to show people their need and our need. If you're seeing your need for the first time, praise God. That's a good thing. That's God loving you so much that he will not allow you to keep running in sin without him warning you and saying, look at what you are. And if he doesn't do that, we won't run to Jesus. When he does that, that, we run to Jesus. This is him loving you, saying, run to Christ. If you don't see your need, you won't see your need for a Savior. But that's not true only of those who are lost. If you're trusting in Christ, we should pray for ourselves that God would keep us from becoming numb to our sin. Let me ask you, Christian, have you become numb to your sin? Are there sins in your life that you have just become okay with? It used to prick your conscience, but now it's really just not that big of a deal. It's just a thought. It's just a feeling. Everybody struggles with this. Do you find that you don't mourn over your sin anymore? Are you numb? Christian, if God graciously reveals sin in your life, that's God loving you. That's God loving you. So often when God reveals sin in my life, my response is self-pity and shame. No thankfulness to God. I'm just focused on how crummy it makes me feel. Which makes me want to be numb to it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to deal with that. I want to become numb to that so I don't have to feel crummy anymore. It makes me feel like a failure. I don't like feeling like a failure. I don't want to see how I've screwed up so bad and hurt others and ultimately not glorified God. But I would encourage myself and all of us, instead, when God reveals sin in your life, our response should be, thank you, God. Thank you for not letting me continue in self-destruction. Thank you for not letting me remain numb to this sin that would destroy me. Thank you for exposing it and help me to hate it and repent of it quickly. Oh, that we would all be like this leper and see the depth of our need so that we would run to Jesus. You don't run to Jesus for forgiveness unless you see your need. So Christian, when God shows you your need, your sin, your failure, he's loving you. He's loving you. He's not doing it so you would focus on yourself or to condemn you. He's prodding you to run to Jesus. And that's exactly what this man does. Somehow he heard about Jesus. He probably heard about the healings Jesus had done. And he goes to him, and you see his faith on display. He says at the end of verse 40, If you will, you can make me clean. He has no doubt that Jesus can heal him, if only he will. The leper doesn't go to Jesus demanding anything. He doesn't feel entitled to a healing from Jesus. He simply comes, poor in spirit, at Jesus' feet kneeling and says, I know you can heal me. Will you please? Will you heal me? And we see Jesus' response in verses 41 and 42. It says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Jesus is willing. We don't just have an able Savior. We have a willing Savior. 
Isn't this just like what Jesus says about himself in John 6.37? He says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He is willing. He is willing. Do you come to Jesus, sinful as you are, thinking, I know he's willing. I know he's willing. I want to come to Jesus like that every time. I know he's willing. There is danger in the lie that we don't need Jesus, that we're not really that bad. We looked at that. But there is an equally great danger in believing the lie that Jesus is not willing to forgive. Sure, Jesus is willing to forgive for others, but I'm so sinful. I'm so messed up. I've done such horrible things. I can't go to Jesus. He'll turn me away. You don't know what I've done. He will turn me away. He'll he'll save others, not me. Hear me. He will not turn you away. He is willing. You know the hymn, O Four, A Thousand Tongues to Sing? In verse 4, he breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus with all your sin, with all your need, with all your uncleanness, and he will make you clean. His sin-atoning blood is more powerful and contagious than our leprous-like sin. And you notice Jesus touches him. He touches the leper. Why does Jesus do that? He doesn't have to do that. He can heal him with a word. He can heal him with a thought. He doesn't have to touch this unclean man. In fact, Jesus touching sick people is a pattern throughout the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is repeatedly touching sick people. In Mark 1.31, when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, it says he took her by the hand and raised her up. In chapter 5, verse 41, when Jesus healed Jairus' daughter, it says he took her by the hand. In Mark 6.5, it says he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And I have three more examples from Mark's gospel where Jesus touches sick people and heals them. Why does he do that? Why does he touch them? I think it has similarities to Jesus' baptism in chapter 1. Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He had no sin to repent of. John called people to be baptized as a baptism of repentance, to repent of their sin. Well, Jesus didn't have any sin to repent of. But one of the reasons why he was baptized was to identify with us, to identify with sinners. And I think here... Jesus touches sick people because he is identifying with the sick and the lowly and the hurting and despised. In Matthew 8, there's the account of Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law, and it says this, Matthew 8, 15 through 17, He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits and with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. That's our Savior. Jesus doesn't pull back from sickness and disease. He takes on flesh and enters in. Jesus doesn't recoil at the sight of this leper. He moves toward him in compassion and touches him. Normally, if a person touched someone with leprosy, they became unclean. In fact, if someone touched even the clothing of someone who had leprosy, that person would become unclean. But not Jesus. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper becomes clean. 
And after Jesus heals this man, look at what happens next. Verses 43 and 44. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus sternly warns him not to tell anybody what just happened, which sounds really weird to us. I mean, we're not supposed to keep quiet about Jesus or what he's done. That would be wrong. We're to speak openly, speak boldly about what Jesus has done. We don't want to keep quiet. We want to bring the gospel into all the world. The last thing we should do is be quiet about it. So why does Jesus tell this man to be quiet? I think it's because Jesus doesn't want to be known as the healer guy. He's not interested in being the famous traveling healer. Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus cares for the sick. Just look at what he did for this man and many others. But healing people's physical sickness was not the main point of Jesus' ministry. He went out to Galilee, not mainly to heal this leper, but to preach the gospel. If you look back just a few verses, you see that Jesus was previously in Capernaum. And while there, he healed several people and cast out demons. And eventually, everyone in town was looking for Jesus. It says in verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So people in Capernaum are looking for Jesus. You can bet there were sick people wanting to be healed. But Jesus says, Let's move on. We're going to go somewhere else. And I'm sure the disciples were very confused. Like, move on. You got a good gig here, Jesus. You got people looking for you. They want to be healed by you. You could be the healer of Capernaum. You could be the guy. Why would you leave this excited crowd and go somewhere else? But Jesus says, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus did not come mainly to heal people's physical diseases. He came to preach the gospel. And of course, his message and his mission are unbreakably connected. He didn't come just to speak words of good news. He is the word who would die and rise again and save sinners. And Jesus wasn't going to resign himself to being merely the traveling healer, miracle worker that everyone wanted to see perform amazing deeds. He had a far bigger mission. So Jesus warns this man not to say anything because if word gets out about this healing, it's going to be just like it was in Capernaum. It will hinder Jesus' ability to freely preach and it will deter people's focus from Jesus' message to these amazing healing acts. People will be more excited to see Jesus' power than seeing their need to repent and believe. And doesn't that still happen today? Still today, Jesus' mission and message get skewed. Follow Jesus because he'll give you power and he'll heal your diseases. He'll make you successful and wise. Follow Jesus because he cares about injustice and equality. Follow Jesus because he'll keep you from ruining your life. Make sure your kids follow Jesus so they don't end up pregnant out of wedlock or doing drugs. As if that's what Jesus is all about. Pick your favorite flavor of Jesus depending on what you want him to be for you. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course Jesus is compassionate. 
Following him is the way of wisdom. Of course, he can and does heal. Of course, he can and does help us overcome temptation. Praise God for all those things and so much more. But that wasn't Jesus' emphasis. He calls everyone, everywhere, to repent and believe the gospel. So we must be careful to have a biblical view of Jesus. Otherwise, we could so easily be like many in the crowds of Jesus' day who were amazed by Jesus' power and miracles and ability to teach, but they missed the point. So many of them missed the point. They were excited that Jesus miraculously provided bread for them and filled their bellies when Jesus fed the 5,000, but many of them didn't care to see that Jesus is the bread of life. In John 6, 25, it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. God, keep us from becoming like many in the crowds who wanted Jesus' miracles, but could give or take having Jesus himself. So Jesus tells the healed leper not to say anything, and notice what Jesus tells the man to do at the end of verse 44. He says, Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. So just a side note, it's not uncommon for people to look at this passage and say, Jesus didn't care about the Old Testament laws because he touched this unclean leper, which was against the law. Jesus sees all those Old Testament laws as pointless, doesn't matter. The Old Testament is just helpful moral stories. We don't need that anymore. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. God does not change. Not one bit of his word will pass away. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God endures forever. And here we see Jesus tells this man to do exactly what Leviticus 14 says to do. Jesus tells him to go show himself to the priest as Moses commanded. Jesus doesn't throw all that out. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets, not to undo them. There's a massive difference. We look to Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law, not because the law doesn't matter, but because it was always pointing to Jesus. So we look to him. So Jesus tells this man to be quiet and go to the priest, and here's what the man does. Verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. And spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So he blabs all over town what Jesus did for him. Completely disobeys. And what happened in Capernaum happens again. It says Jesus could no longer openly enter a town anymore. He couldn't freely go into the synagogue and preach, but instead he has to stay in desolate places. Places And people have to go to him if they're going to hear him preach his message. And here we see the last picture of the gospel. Did you notice the switch that takes place? Jesus and the leper switch places. Before, it was the leper who was in desolate places. He had to live away from everyone because he was unclean. But now, Jesus healed him and he's free to go wherever he wants. No more hiding. He's welcomed into town. Welcome to go worship God. Welcome in the temple. Welcome to be with his family again. But Jesus is now like the leper was. Because he healed the leper and the leper disobeyed, now Jesus can't go into the town anymore. 
He has to be out in desolate places while the leper can go free. They switch places, which is a foreshadowing of what Jesus did on the cross. It wouldn't be long until Jesus would be left alone by all his closest friends. He would be treated as worse than a leper. Peter didn't even want to be associated with Jesus, much less touch him. When asked three times, do you know him? I don't know him. I don't know. Don't associate me with him. Just to be associated with Jesus could mean death. Jesus was taken outside the city to a desolate place and hung on a cross. He was taken outside the camp as if he was unclean. And why? To take our place. Jesus switched places with us. The switch that happened to the leper is just a picture of how Jesus took our place. We were the unclean ones. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took the wrath of God that we deserved for our sin, and now we are welcomed in. He took our sin, he took our punishment, and we receive his perfect righteousness. We are declared clean because Jesus took all our uncleanness. Like the hymn says, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a savior. If you have not trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, trust in him. Receive the forgiveness that he offers you. And if you have trusted in Christ, let this picture of the gospel cause you to rejoice in your great Savior. May God cause all of us to delight in the gospel for God's glory and our joy. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you took our place. Thank you that you came and took on flesh And you didn't recoil from us. You entered in. You died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and we are welcomed in. We are adopted children of God. We thank you. God, help us to see the depth of our need. Help us so that we would see how great of a Savior you are. Help us to now worship you as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.